We get such a bad rep in this industry that I, do. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I thrive off that. When people call me an ambulance chaser, I'm like, bring it on. From GoFounder, it's Business Knobs. Why is it called Business Knobs, you might ask? Well, there might well be a few knobs on the podcast, me being one of them. But what it stands for is Business No Bullshit. This podcast series is all about the trials, tribulations and occasional successes of starting and growing a business without the Hollywood filter. I'm Eddie Whittingham and on today's episode I'm joined by Eleanor Manukian, where we take an honest look at what it's really like to start your own business, setting out the expectation versus the reality. We've all seen those entrepreneurs working from the beach, sipping a pina colada as they tap away on their laptops, building a seven-figure empire. But surprise, surprise, the reality of starting a business couldn't be further from the truth. Sure, people start out with aspirations of being their own boss, working hours that suit them and working towards their dreams, yet there's often so much more blood, sweat and tears involved in getting that business up and running in the first place. Sometimes naivety is a blessing. But I remember just logging on, seeing this list, and I just, I almost felt like I stopped breathing at one point, and my heart was racing, and I was like, I feel lightheaded. I felt like I, it was, I'd never felt this feeling like it before. Eleanor is six months into her journey as a business owner, turning her back on a stable and well-paid full-time job in law to set up her own boutique law firm. In this episode, we chat about our journeys, laying out some expectation settings for other new business owners, and all about the reality of starting our businesses versus our initial expectations, the good and the bad. In terms of where I sort of started thinking about having my own business was during the very first lockdown we were in. So March 2020, um, we all got sent from home. I just started a brand new job on the 9th of March. Um, which was just a little bit crazy. And I think a part of me was really worried that actually they might not keep me on. You know, I'm a completely new member of staff. Um, when I resigned, um, COVID was, you know, wasn't really a, a concern, wasn't a, really a problem. We didn't really see it going exactly where it went. Um, so, yeah, I was, in, I was sort of in a brand new job. And within sort of a few weeks of being sent to work from home, I, I loved it. I love being at home, even in the midst of a pandemic. I really enjoyed working from home. Um, we were quite fortunate enough to still be busy. Clients still needed us. Yeah. You know, I was working as a personal injury solicitor. I had a huge number of files um, and clients to keep happy. So that really is where I started thinking, can I replicate this? Can I do something like this, but on my own, outside of my firm? Um and that's where the, the idea first sort of came into in, into my mind. And then I started doing some research, right? What do you actually need to do to start a law firm? Like at that point, I wasn't ready to give up on the law. I'd worked so hard to get where I was in terms of studying, um, doing my law degree, doing the LPC, getting a training contract, qualifying as a solicitor. You go through so many hurdles. And it's a so, long road. So many obstacles and it is incredibly long. And when you get to that point, um, you know, I'd sort of gone up the, the sort of hierarchy in my firm and I'd gone from being a solicitor to then being made a partner within three years of qualifying. So I'd almost ticked all those boxes um, where I was in my career. So then I was thinking, well, what's the next, what's the next step? 
and that's where the idea of starting my own law firm came in and <clears throat> yeah it just sort of all all went from there I started doing some research as to how you go about setting a law firm you need your business plan you need your insurance and then once you get your sort of professional indemnity insurance quote you need to apply to your regulating body which is the SRA Solicitor Regulation Authority and they will then approve you hopefully and they did with me so before I knew it I was you know handing in my notice period still whilst we were in lockdown at this point and yeah I guess it was just like I saw I saw a picture online and and it, and it said something along the lines of starting your own business is like jumping off a cliff and then assembling your plane on the way down yeah pretty good analogy to be fair <laughs> yeah. yeah and it was certainly like that and I mean there were moments up to the runoff of me launching and I and I had a three-month notice period so yeah. that is both a good and a bad thing because you know you, you've got some time to maybe work on your business outside of your nine-to-five job you can do things on the weekend so you've got a little bit of time to really prepare yourself save as well save as much as you possibly can especially if you're self-funding a startup yeah. Um, but then it gives you that time to think um, and fear <laughs> and fear yeah and start to really sort of those doubts really start to creep in and I just remember like I launched my business on the 1st of December and I think around the end of October or November I had this huge sort of like list of all the things I still had to do and I remember logging on after work and I was doing all of this outside of my Outside of my jobs and my evenings and weekends were completely dedicated to the, the setting up of this new business. And I mean, it was quite quite lucky in that we had nothing else to do. So all I could True. do was work. Yeah, it's a good time to do it in a way. And then work on my own startup. Yeah. And then, but I remember just logging on, seeing this list. And I just, I, I almost felt like I stopped breathing at one point and my heart was racing. And I was like, I feel lightheaded. I felt like I, I, it was, it was I'd never felt this fe- feeling like it before. I was like, what is this? And I just remember feeling really faint and really shaky. And I couldn't do anything that I had to do that evening. I just had to log off and I just felt really unwell. And I went and made myself a chamomile tea thinking that'll help me. Yeah, that'll sort you out. Yeah, and I came into the living room and I just said to my husband, I really don't feel well. I was like, I've got this feeling. And, and he was like, well, what were you doing? And I was like, I logged on and I've got so much to do. And he was like, I think you're having a panic attack. I was like, no, no, I don't think so, because I've never had one before. And yeah. I think until you actually have your first one, you don't you don't know what don't is know going it. on. Yeah. You have no idea. Um, <clears throat> and he was like, yeah, I feel, you know, I've had them before. And my husband, you know, he, he suffers with anxiety himself. So he was like, this is like, you know, I think you are having a panic attack. So he's like, you've just got to take it easy. You know, have an early night. You know, have your tea. If it's gonna make, if it's gonna help you. Probably won't, <laughs> and it didn't. And I just went to bed. And yeah, it was that was really um, the start of me experiencing some anxiety in my life that I'd mm. never experienced before. Brought on. Yeah, brought on by the this idea of starting this business. And I would say that you know, fast fast forward six months now, and it's the most anxious and overwhelmed I've ever felt in my life. So it's interesting because people paint the picture that starting your own business. Don't get me wrong, everyone knows it's going to be hard, but there's certainly a rise in popularity at the minute to make it sound easier or, you know, that there's almost like a, you'll see it on LinkedIn, you're really active on LinkedIn. There's almost like a, a shame put on nine to five jobs, almost that like you should have a side or that like you should be doing this and that. But the truth is like running a business can have a big effect on you mentally and can give you anxiety. Um, 
I think what's really interesting from the your journey there, obviously solicitor, decent job, partner, decent job. So to then want to set up your own company have, as a partner of a law firm, what was your what was your big drive? Other than I know lockdown, you you wanted to work from home and you enjoyed working from home, but what what was there deep down that made you really want to go out on your own? I guess ultimately, I loved what I do. Like I love being a personal injury solicitor. We get such a bad rep in this industry that I, do. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. thrive off that. When people call me an ambulance chaser, I'm like, bring it on. I don't chase any ambulances. If anybody has seen me drive, they know I can't chase a milk flow, <laughs> let alone yeah. an ambulance. So I just think, you know what, I'm there to do the best job that I can for my clients. Yeah. And there is no feeling like it. when you work with somebody who has suffered potentially life-changing injuries and you help them and it's not just about the money it's not about the compensation you know it's about getting them the medical treatment they may not have had because they can't get it on the nhs for example you know getting them um their loss of earnings back because they've had to take time off work they can't provide for their family they struggle to pay their bills their mortgage you know getting them that money that security you're putting people's lives back together and that's incredibly rewarding yeah it's it's a funny one in it's a it's a it's an area that people are quite quick to slate. And, you know, I was a police officer before. I've been to many serious road traffic exactly. accidents. And it's like, there's some, I didn't, it's not, you know, it's not a bump in a local car park. It, it's, it's serious injuries a lot yeah. of the time. I think what is interesting from a business perspective that might help you maybe, and you probably enjoy, and I think a sense that you do is you're in an area where it's so, I don't know, bogged down in a stereotype that it gives you a platform to be able to do something different. And I had that because I was in cybersecurity and it was so caked in really just very corporate language, very corporate approach that I thrived on being able to challenge that. And I, and I sense that you've probably got a little bit of that because it's a stereo, you know, people stereotype it quite a lot. Um, it gives you the opportunity to really stamp a bit, put a bit of personality on it. They do, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, the the sort of what you see in the news and what you see in newspapers and on TV about sort of maybe people of a certain type claiming compensation, whereas that's completely untrue. You know, I've acted for footballers, I've acted for business owners, for company directors who it's not about the money. Yeah. It's about getting their life back together after yeah. an accident that importantly wasn't their fault and that's a really important part where it's you could be going about your day to day not expecting to have your life turned upside down and that's where personal injury solicitors such as myself come in and we put those pieces back together and we help you along that journey and people come to me now because they say actually it's really refreshing we know we're going to get a fully qualified solicitor who's going to run our run our cases the you know in the best way possible true because i suppose from a business perspective and that maybe perhaps is one of your usps is that, that ordinarily if i'm involved in an incident it probably isn't going to go into a fully qualified solicitor. it's probably going to go to you know no disrespect but to a paralegal and rightly or wrongly people would rather a solicitor do that absolutely there's there's definitely some um great paralegals out there definitely don't have to be qualified to you know do a good job get somebody a really good amount of compensation but it certainly helps people feel safer yeah and especially where their injuries are more serious um you know I have it's a perception isn't yeah, it of definitely. how serious it's taken absolutely. so we used to have it yeah. in the police it used to be like mm-hmm if it wasn't the CID investigating it, 
then that wouldn't be as good as the local Bobby. Yeah. When in reality, that local Bobby's probably been in the CID yes. and come back. At, but but it's perception, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, definitely. But it's helped me to um, get my business to stand out. Um, and I feel really, really passionate about it. Personal injury is all I've ever done. Yeah. Um, from, you know, from my first ever paralegal job, that was in personal injury. Um, I qualified as a personal injury solicitor and what made it really enjoyable is that I was actually really, really good at my job. A lot of people really dislike this area of law because it's not, it's not easy. It, it carries that stigma. Um, a lot of people feel quite embarrassed about saying they're a personal injury solicitor. I absolutely love it. And now that I have my own business, I love it even, even more, more. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is, which is, you know, strange, which is a little bit crazy, but actually I'm so proud of it because what's really nice is my clients are now mine. Yeah. And I feel really, got a really proper relationship mm, with them. I feel really protective and really proud of those relationships because yeah. you, you know that's not to say that we don't have difficult conversations we do you know because i have clients where i just think you know the, the other side have presented a really good defense look we can't push this any further because it's too risky um and you know you do have those difficult conversations with your client but that's just part of being a solicitor what's added to me now is the fact that i'm also a business owner and this is where the lines become incredibly blurry and this is where i find it really really difficult really at this stage where i'm at in my business because the truth is, is at the moment where I am almost seven months in, um, that I've actually had to stop, really pull back on taking on new claims um, and not be as active in advertising for work because the cases have just come in really, really fast. Yeah, so it's a fantastic problem to have, might I add. However... It's a, honestly, it's a problem that I could have only dreamed of yeah, three yeah, months yeah. ago. But when that problem happens and you maybe haven't prepared as well as you should have because you've been so busy, so crazy, trying to get new clients. Well, do you know what? I think any business that goes through that growth like you are doing, hindsight's so easy. You'll look back and go, I could have done this, I could have done that, in terms of like hiring somebody. But it's so difficult in the moment because you've got all the work to do and you've got a day job to do. And you've also got your other day job to do, which is running your business. And they're, they're almost two separate things, really, in a way. Um, so, yeah, I think you can be forgiven for, for not spotting that one. It's just, it's hard, isn't it? It's having that foresight. And it, it creeps it, up on you. Definitely, massively. <laughs> but but an amazing problem to have. So I think what <coughs> what's interesting for me is how much you clearly love what you do. But then, interestingly, at the start of the podcast, you mentioned that it gives you anxiety um, and probably... Probably, it's fair to say, probably like most stressful thing you've done. Absolutely. So what, where does the love come? Because uh, they're, they're almost two opposites, aren't they? So how, can you explain that for me? I wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to explain. Like, why do we do certain things that scare us, that challenge us? Um, and I guess it's because I'm always the type of person that was always looking at what's next. What can I do? And, it's, and, and, and this is an idea and a concept of you as a human being, being the best possible version of yourself and doing the things that challenge you because what else can you do? And it's that. Sort I of, think that's really interesting. And it's that question that you ask yourself, what am I actually truly capable of? Now, I could have made my life a lot easier. Oh, of I course. <laughs> yeah. No, you could have, couldn't I mean, you? You as a partner of a law firm. Yeah, yeah. Back, my life was easy. And, you know, it's it's like, um, you know, you say, oh, you fed up with working nine to five and now I work 24-7. And it's like, you know, my, my issue with my previous employer was that my set hours were half eight to half five. 
whether you had any work to do, whether you finished your task list, whether you build all your hours, you still had to be in the office. I was, you know, traveling for miles to get there and back. And I just didn't like any of that. But actually looking back, I would do anything to have a half yeah, Exactly. Day. Yeah, because you could turn, you could literally get to half five and you just turn off, don't you? You turn off. Yeah. There is no turning off from your own business. So I think that's really interesting though. Because I think that trait, what you've just outlined there, is so common in the people who typically start their business, but more importantly, do well in business. So um, it's it's that sort of feeling of, I've achieved something, but what else can I achieve? It's not, it, I was probably guilty. I didn't really stop and pat myself on the back all that much. I don't really believe in that all that much. I, I'm, I kind of, I'm always driven by what's next, what's next, what's next. But it's such an interesting point that you've it's so easy i think to generally just sit back and relax isn't it and and be content but i think generally people who start a business then go on to be successful they can't stop themselves i've had a lot of people i, I sold my business last year and everyone's like why are you not just chilling out and it's it's not that i don't want to i, I like chilling you just, out you but, I, but and it's, <laughs> it, i've got you know there's it's not that i need to my drive now isn't money, for example, but I just want to see what else I can achieve and see what other doors and opportunities open. Some might be good, some might be bad. And it's just, it's a, it's a desire to keep going, even though you don't need to, or in, or in your case, it's like, even though it's extremely hard, it's that wanting to push yourself all the time. And that's, that's I think, what separates people who will do well from those that, that maybe won't. And it's not, not a criticism of anyone, sorry, not a criticism of anyone, obviously, but it's just that it's an interesting common trait I think that a lot of people have when they're when they're going to sort of entrepreneurship yeah absolutely and I mean I really now I I respect people in full-time employment 100% so much you know because I think why do they want this crazy life like they don't like my husband for example he's happy you know working his full-time job and I really really respect that because in reality it's him having that full-time job that is actually really allowing me to have my business because in all honesty i'm six months in i'm not drawing at hardly any salary yep you know i've paid myself like 1200 pounds in six months yeah you know and that's you know i'm quite open about that and what's what i find is a real shame is a lot of people aren't open about that side of the yeah, business yeah they hide it don't they they weirdly. do and you know i had to think about why that is and it's embarrassment yeah that's yeah, because I think it comes down probably because yeah, uh, do you know I I, I didn't uh, show that and I wish I had like my friends and family knew but publicly I probably didn't and it was probably because in particularly that first six twelve months like everyone's watching you yes um yeah. there's an expectation that it's going to happen like that overnight yeah. it doesn't and it, you yeah. know anyone listening <laughs> it doesn't um there's that yeah it's weird you have this like people I think have this. Uh, guess pressure that they ought to show that they're doing better than they are Absolutely. when in the rea you know reality is most people who start a decent business they don't take they don't take money out and that's probably because you are reinvesting that money in, yeah. in the business and I, I was very fortunate like yourself so my wife was in a full-time job and we could just get by just on her wages and that gave me the freedom to learn and make mistakes because that's the other part of starting a business it's just learning and making mistakes um but yeah there's I think that that immediate overnight success thing is is overplayed, and the reality is, like you've just said, you are probably when you're starting a business going to draw a very, very, very small amount, if anything, if anything. for yeah. quite a long time. 
Yeah, and I and I only I had to literally take one of my like salary just because my accountant put it through without checking with me if I could have yeah. to pay myself. And he was like, "Oh well, you might as well take it out." And I was like, "I might as well," but you know, I'd rather not have. And yeah, and I and I think what's added to to my sort of um, challenge, I guess, is I'm a no win no fee solicitor. Oh uh, like yeah, true. injury solicitors, yeah. and that adds the extra layer of. Ooh, yeah. challenge to it because not only do i have to find a, a load of clients who have good cases i then have to win those cases and it's not just mm. about winning them your average personal injury claim you know um, will take i would say you know on a on a really easy case three months Shit. on a really difficult case years if ever so you could literally be anywhere between three months to two years of that is definitely in the case so right now whilst i might say i've got loads of new clients really good cases actually i need the time to build those cases up you, you know the, the insurance companies get yeah, so cash flow cash, cash flow wise nightmare because most businesses problem. like mine you'd <laughs> you know you had a cost of lead an acquisition cost um and then you'd have a you know you have a sort of period of trying to court them effectively to try and get them over the line mm-hmm. then you'd get them over the line and you'd start the work but they'd pay you probably 30 60 days obviously you know you had short payment terms and they took the piss not <laughs> but with yours you're you've yeah. got a cost of acquisition yeah. then you've got to win them mm-hmm. then you've got to do at least six months probably yeah. work yeah. before you even get a chance of getting paid yeah before you get paid and is there is there even a delay like say the court case is decided how long after that is it then you'd get paid oh yeah definitely there's there's no you you can't actually even predict the time scale it's incredibly difficult so that's a real problem and you know when i sort of um I remember messaging my old boss going, I've just started, it's been two weeks and I can't retire yet. What's going on? I'm not going to get paid for another three years. (laughs) And he said, you know, you are looking at about two years. Yeah, before. Until you start really seeing any sort of return. Yeah, and I I think that's that's a good expectation setter. Mm -hmm. Oh, two points actually, I probably should. By the sounds of it, no one should ever start a personal injury law firm. (laughs) But the second one is, two years probably is is a relatively good expectation setter if you're starting your own business before you're probably going to be in a position where you can take money it's probably going to be a couple of years i'd, I'd argue not all it depends what you do obviously and it depends on your own appetite like i had a bigger appetite for risk so i didn't bother taking any money i could have maybe taken some out a bit earlier but i suspect you'll be in the same position you can but you probably won't because yeah. you know if you're relatively if you're relatively happy with not a lot living off your husband's wage as, as i was my wife's then and I didn't need to take that money out. Yeah. Um, I think we, we were quite fortunate because we had bought our first house um, two years ago now. We'd had the, we had we got a car on lease. We um, bought that outright as well. So we kind of, we, we got married um, four years ago. So we kind of got the big life events out of the way. Yeah. So actually now, whatever wage my husband makes, whatever I pay myself, that can sort of go towards us. And I've just made that decision to put that money back in my business. Yeah, because yeah. even when I pay myself, I only go and buy daft shit for the business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's exactly. Like, it's not even like I spend it on myself. Um, and I think, you know, I think in a way the pandemic, as awful as this sounds, actually has given people not only that perspective to do something different, but also an opportunity in that 
we couldn't go on holiday. Yeah, we've all like lived pretty shops, frugally, haven't we, yes, for a year? Like the shops were closed. I couldn't go shopping. Um, I loved, you know, I love spending money. Yeah, hammered, hammered Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, yeah, you, there's always ways to find how you're going but, to But you're right. Money, I think but, if you look at how much like, you know, you're not going out drinking or for meals yeah. or all that stuff. So instantly, people have probably been saving 500 quid a month just off the social life. Yeah, yeah. yeah not, not having to pay to go to travel to work. Yeah, massive out, one. All those things. So that's why I've seen, so I also run this little sort of coaching initiative about um, launching a law firm and I call it launched a law firm in 2021 and I've coached a few people and I have a lot of people. One of the huge benefits about being quite open about my journey is all the other solicitors that come to me to say we're thinking of you know doing yeah, the same fair. can you give us some advice can you help us out and you know i've done so many introductions for my insurance broker for you know like accountants your legal cashiers and i've been able to help other people on their journey whereas when i started out i didn't use linkedin um at all because um you know you're just so scared of your employer seeing something or your colleague seeing something and somebody you know you saying the wrong thing is you know incredibly restrictive yep. to have a voice when you're in full-time employment and it's not just law i mean law in itself is obviously incredibly difficult to navigate and know when to say the right thing or when you're saying the wrong thing but actually any employer would you know would, would have an eye on what their employees are doing on online so i didn't reach out i didn't speak to anybody and i was quite isolating and one of the things i was really worried about is when i started my own business because it you know i was a one-woman band yep. i was actually feeling lonely and that was a real concern of mine and i bet you just googled everything yes probably <laughs> so this is really interesting obviously you're doing that from a, a lawyer's but that's that's exactly what i've or i'm in the process of setting up with GoFounder. it's exactly that it's because when i started i googled everything and it was an incredibly lonely place to be because you you feel you feel very isolated. I didn't know any friends at the time who were going through some, something similar. I was lucky enough to join like a, an accelerator program in town, which was good and bad in, in many different ways. But the bit that was really good about it was there was a community of people who maybe they were two years in or three years in. There was a couple at my stage where we just started, but I found that community so important. And um, I think it's it's an underrated part of it. So similar to, to yourself, that's kind of what I've tried to build with GoFounder is trying to get, you know, people together so that they've got a support network. Because I think, it, yeah, it's so hard because you might have it with your husband. I don't know, but I, my wife's been amazingly supportive. But do you know what? It's 10 o'clock at night, Eddie. Shut up. Like, stop talking about business. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. And so sometimes you need somebody else in similar shoes to talk to, don't you? Yeah, I think the people around me certainly don't fully understand or appreciate where, where I'm coming from when I talk about certain issues. And that is absolutely fine. That, of course, you know, yeah, absolutely. This, you know, I probably wouldn't. If I hadn't have started this business, I wouldn't really understand what somebody else in that position would be talking about. I was saying to my husband, you know, I've got more work than I can handle but I don't have the money to recruit someone. Yeah. So what do I do? Do I get investment in? You know, do I sell part of my business? Do I get a partner on board? And he's just like, what are you talking about? He's like, honestly, what do you expect me to say? And I'm like, nothing. I just want you to listen just, to yeah. this stage. And, and that's, that's really helpful. But there is that element of, right, I need to actually find, you know, people that are on that 
journey maybe yeah. and you know and and help others on that journey and i've you know I've, I've been quite fortunate because i reached out to a few law firm founders and um they have been incredible just yeah. with their advice you know just just saying right give us a call let's arrange a time to speak and we'll tell you how we did it and speaking to them was a breath of fresh air and it gave me that little It'd be so helpful you know, motivation it? yeah and inspiration and watching their journey and you know they'll contact me now i'm going right you're six months in what's your for the next six months and i'm like i don't know survive <laughs> yeah. Yeah. survive my first year renewal yeah and it's just and that's really nice but yeah i was very worried about feeling quite lonely and quite isolated and what what really what sort of didn't help and obviously i do credit the pandemic and the position that we were in for a certain parts of my business was actually launching a business in lockdown like i launched it on the first of december and we'd yeah. just gone into maybe like what was our third lockdown (laughs) and um so all i have really ever known is lockdown business life so only in the last few months i've actually started having face-to-face meetings and you know the first four months of the business i was just sat in my spare bedroom like just with my computer screen and that's where i found you know linkedin that community on there to be invaluable in so many ways um and I think that helps a lot of other sort of business startups and business founders as well. So, yeah, I think starting, you know, business in the pandemic, whilst it had some positives, there were actually a lot of negatives. And wh- and I do sometimes think, where would my business be if I could go out quite freely and look for an office space? And right now I'm in that position where my business is really busy. I'm attracting more clients than I could probably service to the level um, you know, to the standard that I want to service. Um, that's why I don't want to take on too many claims because then I can't give those yeah. clients the individual attention that I have set out my, in my business to do. So, like, how do you recruit someone? Like, how, like, I need to recruit my first employee. How do I do that? Like, I'm clueless in that sense. So it's like, Every- what do you do? Recruit someone virtually, remotely? Do you let them work from home? Do you do it at home? And, thi- and this is it, isn't it? When you start your own business, it's like new challenge after new challenge after new challenge. And that and that doesn't stop. Yeah. And maybe that's the appeal of it. I don't know. Like, I know, you know, when I first had my first hire, it was like an absolute mess in my head in terms of how do I do it? How much do I pay? What's the process? You know? Do they come into the office however many days, yeah. whatever it is? And then it and then you, you hire your first one and you realise it's not too bad and then you know you might hire your second, third and but then you might have to fire one. <laughs> and then it, it everything you do is a new challenge and it, it it I suppose it that doesn't change, it just keeps that just continues all the time. You learn so something new every single day. What's really cool though, you're at a very, very exciting part of the business, I think, and I'm sure you'll feel it, but you also <laughs> won't feel it because a bit of dread. But you know, first employees are very exciting. Finding an office space is very exciting. Um, lots of, yeah, really, I guess, de- definable moments there, like real proper, like, uh, photograph moments. And um, the one thing I would say, and this goes to anyone who's starting up, take more photographs. I wish I'd taken more photographs. I've got like a few silly ones of me, like opening the first office and things like that, but I probably didn't get enough. And, it, and I think you, you should, because you, you want five years, you'll look back and go, oh shit, I should have had that picture there or try to mark that occasion a little bit more and just mark those little achievements. It's a really are. good tip. I mean, I have a million pictures of my cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's useless. Yeah, yeah. You'll, no, that's 
that's a really you know what what is i think where a business is so stressful you almost don't want to document it some days you just want them over and done with yeah you do and you know like i used to think that right having my own business i'm never going to get that sunday evening dread i'm never going to dread monday mornings i'm never going to think about hump day right yeah. that you're never going to look forward to weekends because you see all these quotes you know um do what you love and you never have to work yeah. a day in your life and i know you still do because it's your business and if anything it's probably more intense the, the the bit that is very sort of defining is actually you have a lot more excitement yes there's there's still that element of dread because you've still got to work really really hard my dread was where a week could go by and not a lot's happened mm. so i've not pushed a project on much further or i've not got much new business and it'd be like that's a week i've just wasted and that that was my dread that was my equivalent of the sunday night thing it was almost looking back and going shit that was a bad week or, or feeling guilty for not working hard enough even though that's you're working thing. what's you that about feel incredibly difficult when um when you're not working all the yeah. time and i think you know what adds to that um is when you do have family supporting you you almost feel guilty for not always working because you want to particularly if you're not yeah particularly if you're not taking any money out yet yes yeah you you do you have that almost pressure on you where you do feel like you should at least look like you're (laughs) just gonna go do a bit of work it's gonna be on amazon yeah (laughs) and it's um yeah that that's very sort of it's, it's unnerving in, in a lot of ways. And then you start, and then you get to the point where you just feel exhausted because all you think about is your business. And that's all you talk about. And you probably bore the hell out of a lot of people around Yeah, it's a real challenge. That balance is really <laughs> difficult. And I, I did not find it that the sort of years I was building my cybersecurity business, I definitely didn't find the balance. I don't think I ever found it really. Um, Rightly or wrongly. A lot of people set out on their business. Like I was speaking to one solicitor and he said, yep, in five years I want to sell it and I want to sell it for 10 million pounds. How do you know what you're going to be doing in five years? Like, well, you Dreaming, that's business, what. Right? I, did, I did, but it was uh, it was lucky for one to sell it. I, I've said that a few times on the podcast in various episodes, but there's a big element of luck in that. I didn't set out to sell it. I... When I first started a business, it was a service-based business. And I found it <coughs> was quite hard to scale. Um, and then I then I moved on to the sort of cybersecurity idea. And, I, and it was something that was really scalable. And in the back of my mind, I was like, this is something that I could sell, which was a bit more exciting to me. But I I definitely wasn't planning on selling it when I did. I, you know, I might have thought eventually I'd like to sell it. But it was never like I'm going to sell it because I don't necessarily agree with that. I think, yeah, you can try and set yourself up to hopefully get a sale at some point but there's no guarantee um but yeah i just market conditions um just landed favorably for me and that's how i got mine um but yeah it's a weird one isn't it it's um when you when you get the opportunity to sell it 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 might come out of nowhere for me it did um whereas for that person you had just mentioned there they've clearly got a five-year plan whether they'll hit that we'll see won't we um, do you have any long-term aspirations for yours? Or? That's a very, very good question. I'm at that point where I've really got to really think about it because in law, it's about, it's really about your, I mean, it's not in a law firm, you've got to be passionate about what you do. Can I imagine a life not running personal injury claims? No, 
no you know i i'm enjoying it too much at the moment um you don't work that hard go through all that education and all that training to then want to set up a business that you then sell in a few years it's not about that because it's like what we sort of mentioned earlier what do you then do after that? Like well, I'm probably that's end up it. setting up another law firm. Yeah, well, that's exactly <laughs> it. Competing with a firm I've just sold. No, I guess, you know, when I started out, all I wanted was enough clients to keep me going and to keep me busy. And you aim really low. And yeah, you, you do. Yeah. Like, why do you do that to yourself? Aim a little bit higher, but you're too, it's too scary. But it's also, it, too big. I think sometimes people make the mistake, I think, of saying, right, well, I don't know, I'm going to contradict myself here, so bear with me. <laughs> I think people make that mistake sometimes of going, I'm going to sell for X in five years. But they're kind of like so focused on that end goal. They're not doing the work, particularly mm, that first year or two. There's so much hard work you've got to do as groundwork. You may as well kiss goodbye to that if you're not going to do that. However, the flip side is, this is where I contradict myself slightly, is you do need, I think once, particularly once you're set up like yourself, you know, you, you've probably got a relatively comfortable position now where you think actually unless i really balls this up i should be in the right direction but it's a good time to start looking ahead and thinking where do you want to be and it might be you know people get obsessed with the x and i don't think they should do it might be well i want a law firm that turns over x and it has this many members of staff it might be i run the law firm but i only do the commercial side of it or it might be i don't really enjoy the commercial side of it i want to just do cases and i'll only take on the top cases and someone else can run the business side of it so there's lots of different end goals um, but it is useful to have a, an end goal in sight. But I think sometimes people get so fixated on the end goal, they don't do the hard work. Yeah, see that quite a, a lot. It's a journey. Um, yeah. I don't think it's a destination, as cliche as that sounds. It's def- business is definitely, that a t-shirt, yeah. definitely a journey. And I would love to see, you know, my, my, my firm is called The Injury Solicitor. I would love to see us have a little office, um, somewhere with about four or five members of staff you know running running good cases winning cases getting our clients that you know the compensation and yeah seeing really where you know i don't have plans to be the next slayer gordon oh, yeah 300 members 500 members i just yeah, think yeah. yeah i think my, my head would fall off but you know a small office and a small team and that would be something that i i feel like i would really enjoy it's not you know, too far-fetched or too out of reach to, no, to absolutely be not. unattainable. So that's definitely sort of the vision for the next, I'd say maybe even potentially six to 12 months. But you know, that's also really refreshing to hear because a lot of the time, and, and I speak to quite a lot of people starting out and they're all like, I want to be the next Facebook. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to be the next <laughs> Facebook. Like be realistic, like have yes. a have a realistic goal. You might be underselling yourself there. You, yeah. you could yeah. well get there yeah. quite quickly and then go, do you know what? I fancy now setting up a bigger office and getting 30 stuff, whatever. But I think so many people start the opposite way with, I think they're going to, they think they've got this massive unicorn idea and it's like, you haven't, you know, it's not even going to generate your hundred thousand pounds, for example. I feel like having that lawyer brain can be a good thing and a bad thing, right? So you, you will probably really appreciate this, but when you are a solicitor, your job is to think about all the things that could go wrong, <laughs> yeah. right? All you see yeah. is risk. Disaster risk, planning, risk, yeah. Disaster planning and how to avoid them. So that's your job. That's what you, you, you train to do. That's how you're trained to operate and to approach everything. And everything is a problem. And what happens is when you then decide to start your own business and start your own law firm and you're a solicitor, 
you just see the risks and you see all the problems and you see all the things that could go wrong. And that's why maybe my future plans are being held back by my risk assessment of it. And maybe even in business, like, you know, there's certain things that you could do, but you think, oh, actually, you know, this could go wrong. This could go wrong. Possibly. And you yourself back like that. Possibly. But it's also calculated as well. So like, because I, you know, I, I obviously a trained lawyer as well. And so I kind of, I can see how I, might have been like that as well but then actually do you know what probably also made some more sensible decisions because yes. of it because there are a lot of risks that i could have naively taken which actually with a slightly more sensible lawyer brain i went oh, actually no that's just going to be a waste of five grand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where whereas yeah i think it's, it's a balance in it and there'll be some listening going well you need to be a risk taker well you caught of course you do the virtue of the fact that you're sat here as a business owner you are a risk taker because that takes a lot of balls to leave a proper decent job to then sort of on your own so you've already got that in you so it's probably quite a good counterbalance to be honest it's 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 a huge risk you know you go from a very well-paying job um and in fifty thousand pounds a year to barely you're paying paying yourself to 50 pence yeah yeah yeah, on a on a good day on a good month so there is definitely that element of risk and i think a lot of business owners startup founders that's the risk that they really and that's where you sort of think right this is exciting now like this is where i need to you know see what i'm going to do with this business see where it's going to to head and i think with law as well there's that many rubbish solicitors that actually it's not all too difficult to set yourself apart from them you know like my one of the things as well that, that, that led me to starting my own law firm is I had some experience of seeking my own legal advice last year and I must have tried four or five different firms and my experience was just so bad. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, honestly, it wouldn't even take that much effort to stand out from firms like this who don't return calls, who waste your yeah, time. Yeah, it's like conveyancing, should... isn't it? Like the yeah. amount of really terrible, and anyone who's bought a yeah. house will have experienced yeah. it almost certainly. Yeah so many terrible ones but i think that's where most startups go wrong they don't look at how they're standing out in the market most startup ideas are sound you know there's not necessarily a massive reason they should fail apart from execution so it's like how can you stand out in the market and sometimes that's just doing something different but weirdly and i did this with my cybersecurity business when i first started i did what everyone else was doing it's like because you almost like copy what's there because it's safer but reality is if you then go the alternative way, which I did with a rebrand of my business and, and you've done when you've started, you will stand out straight away and give yourself a better chance. It's well, I've so rebranded simple. already, which is yeah, crazy. Fab. I rebranded no, but... within the first three months because I was doing exactly ah, what you perfect. described there. Yep. Trying to give an image of a big corporate office. Absolutely. And, you know, I was almost hiding behind, you know, behind that image, trying to give an you know, that image that I'm a much bigger yep. law firm. That's exactly what I did. And Whereas actually people love the fact that they have that personal touch and I'm the selling point, I'm the USP for my business. So I quickly rebranded and I put my picture all over like my website, all over my social media. How did you know to do that? Because it took me a long time to realize I was really slow. I think people told me. People told me. So what happened was I wasn't getting any leads from my website, but I was getting them through things like LinkedIn and Instagram. And I thought, hold on, something's not right here. Why am I getting like one inquiry a month through my website? But yeah, I'm getting all these leads of Instagram and of LinkedIn. And I sought some advice from experts. Yeah. That's where I did 
like I acted quite quickly. I said, something's not right. Your website should be bringing you far more traffic, far more leads than what mine was. And when I took that advice, people said, you know, it's because your your business is USP, yeah. but actually people don't see that when they go onto your website. And that's when I knew to really start capitalizing on myself and um, being, you know, what my clients get. Um, but that also comes with its own difficulties because then when you do hire someone else, you've got that awkward maybe transition moment where you've got to say to your client, look, I know that I'm the face of this business, but actually you might get somebody else dealing with it. But you know what? If I'm going to hire someone, I want that person to be better than me. So they're yeah, actually going to get a much absolutely. better deal. Yeah, well, that, and that's your answer. <laughs> yes. Exactly. I've just hired someone better than me. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I might be great. You might see me on LinkedIn. You might see me on Instagram. But actually, I've got somebody who is far better on the yeah, legal side. Yeah, so exactly. Claim, so no, that's that's a good hands. answer, isn't it? Yeah, but I knew I knew that I had to really, and I, I didn't want to hide. I want to be the face of my business. Maybe maybe that's not how I approached it. I didn't approach it in the right way. But now I certainly see that. But it's funny, isn't it? Like, because obviously we both made that mistake of we'll go down the sort of safe, yeah. look bigger than we are kind of approach. And actually, this is loads of businesses do this. Just harness the power of being a small company because that is your USP at the start. Um, I think it gets harder for businesses when they're five years in, when they are established, they've got you know five, ten, whatever staff. They can't play the startup card. Yes. They can't play the big corporate card. So they're kind of in that middle ground, and that's when it becomes harder. Um, but so so as a startup, use it. That's such a good tool to have and and exploit really. And what you just mentioned there about it becoming difficult for firms who have been established for a few years, and that's partly down to the fact that law firms have very little goodwill. Yeah. So when you come to sell a law firm, you will struggle because other than a few laptops and maybe a few current clients, there's nothing else. And that's because law firms don't build goodwill because they'll service a client, they'll finish a job, and that's it. You know, they don't have things like marketing newsletters or keep in touch with clients. They don't do that. And that's something that I'm really trying to focus on in my business where, you know, what, I might drop my client an email three months down the line, see how they're getting on, especially if it's, you know, a more serious kind of claim. And maybe Certainly. keep that yeah. keep that relationship, keep keep that open. Maybe, you know, send them some a, 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 a newsletter if they've signed up to it, you know, start building that sort of goodwill to your own business to actually be a little bit different it's a long-term relationship yeah, it is a long-term because it's like the classic you know the conveyancing is a really good example because you buy your house you never ever deal with them again or Hopefully. even speak to them yeah <laughs> but you might but you know they probably won't even send you a newsletter and so when you come to say if you move house yes. you're like yeah. oh what was the name of that were they all right yeah they were all right whereas they're not front of mind are they no. Whereas, no. particularly with what you know, what you do, hopefully, you know, hopefully well, they won't have another is. accident. But they'll, if a friend has a problem, yes, exactly. then they'll be like, "Well, I still speak to." Yeah, and it, yeah. it goes and you don't, I mean, yeah, in person injury, repeat clients isn't as good as no, no. You definitely don't want that. <laughs> yeah. But but it's word of mouth, isn't it's it? It's word of mouth. Yep, absolutely. When my first client, um, one of my first clients, recommended me to his brother-in-law, and then. Um, one of his friends that to me was like the best feeling because I just thought you know what this is brilliant this is what you do you don't have to spend a penny on marketing you don't have to you know run google ads you don't have to do any of that and you're you know you do a good job and your clients will sell your services for you like how incredible is that and and I think there's a lot of firms that don't actually realize how 
valuable that could be. Yeah. And, you know, they've got all these potential clients sitting, um, you know, in their current clients and you can harvest all that and you can have, you know, more work than you could dream of or that you could even service. And that's, and that's why LinkedIn's so powerful, yeah. isn't it? Because it's an organic way to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, definitely. But it's, um, you know, I think, I feel like we sort of sit here and we talk about the, all these amazing, all these good things, but it's like, there's still everything, you know, you don't want to glamorize it too much. There's still so much hard work that goes into that because finding clients is just part of one part of the business. And even though it's, that's incredibly challenging, actually doing the legal work, like drafting some of the documents, starting legal proceedings. I, I used to say, uh, like finding the clients is the easy bit. Yeah. Because then you've got to do the, you'd get a contract. Like, it was the, the worst thing ever, like in a way you'd get, You'd work so hard to get like your biggest contract to date, and then you, you get it, and you're like, oh, "Fuck's sake, yeah. I've got to do the work now." Because yeah. my missus did not yeah. get that. She's like, "You've won this amazing client." I'm like, yeah, yeah I yeah. have, well, but now I've got realize. this massive yeah. ball ache to deal with. Hours and hours, and some cases will take me days to yeah. get off the ground I'll and bet. to gather all the evidence. And it's like that's where the hard work starts. That's where the real work starts, I feel. Um, and that's where the real stresses, the real anxieties um, and the overwhelm come into play because you've got to do a really, really good job on that file. Not just any job, you want to yeah. do a good job. Your business depends on it. Your reputation depends on it. And also you have that fear of somebody giving you a bad review or, you know, or I don't know, going out. Like I've had a few clients cancel their claims with me and I remember like the first one and I rang him it up and I was hard, like, doesn't it? don't go <laughs> like where are you going and um and i was just i was devastated i was so upset and then quite recently this one client turned around and said actually we're going to go through our own insurance company you know what that's when i knew i had to change something because i felt relieved and that wasn't a feeling that i'd previously felt a client actually saying they're going to go elsewhere but i felt relieved because i was so overwhelmed at that point with new inquiries that actually i was going to really struggle to find a time yeah. to dedicate and that's when i thought you know what i am holding my own business back at the moment and that's a really really difficult thing to admit or to even realize and um, to say right you as an individual you're actually holding your own business back and that's when Right at the beginning, I realized it quite quickly on the legal cashiering side. So with a law firm, it's like starting a business is difficult. Starting a law firm, I feel, is like even more difficult because you have that added layer of regulation, yeah, regulation. and the rules that you've got to follow. So it's not just as simple as, you know, taking client money. There are so many you know, rules you've got to follow in that regard. So I got a legal cashier on board. I've got a compliance lady to help me ensure that I am complying with my duties as a solicitor and a law firm owner. And I, you know, I outsourced that work and I felt so relieved knowing that an expert was on board and was going to take care of that side of the business. And I felt like relief and I felt lighter in myself and I had a good night's sleep and I felt there's like- There's no point you spending hours and hours and hours oh, trying to figure yeah. it out. Like there's, yeah. that's, cause that's another mistake people make, isn't it? Where they try to do everything yeah. themselves. You've got to outsource cleverly. Yes, outsourcing carefully yeah. is the right way to do it. And don't be afraid to ask for deals, for discounts. You know, I, I, would, you know, I said to my legal cashier, I can't afford your fees. And he was like, right, we'll, we'll do you a deal. We'll start on this and we'll reevaluate. Yeah, if you don't ask, you don't get. Exactly, absolutely. So, but yeah, it was those little sort of decisions that I made that actually 
meant that I could concentrate on other things like growing the business, working on claims, trying to settle them that made that possible. And now I'm in this position where I've got to really think about that again and what my ideal scenario is. You know, I don't want to be one of those law firm owners that hasn't moved on and doesn't take the pandemic into consideration where people want to work. I would love a hybrid office. Yeah, so a couple of days in, a couple of days out. I don't want to be in an office Monday to Friday. No, no. And I, I don't feel like anybody does anymore. Not anymore. No, it's shifted, hasn't <laughs> it's, it? Yeah, I think if you do, then you're probably in a minority. But, you know, that's perfectly fine, each to their own. But for me, but equally, I don't want to just have employees who work remotely and I never see them and I can't supervise them and we can't learn and we can't yeah, have and you that can't collaborate and exactly, yeah. yeah. yeah it's so about the social side as well, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. So for me, it's about trying to navigate that sort of next step in the business but it's just a shame that it's yeah you've got to pay your employees right they're yeah, not going to come to work so, yeah. yeah they're not going to come to work for you and you know they don't want that life that's not the instability Correct. that your employees want they want that stable exactly. income that salary that stable even the work even you know you've got to give them work you can't just hire them and not have any cases for them to work on so it's um yeah and then it's just finding the money to pay them <laughs> when you're not even paying yourself and you're going to be the least paid employee in your own business for a which very is long much time. more common than people think yeah and again that's because people don't don't show that side of the business yeah. and they and you know maybe they're embarrassed or they're ashamed because their business isn't where they thought it would be or a lot of or people. where they want to present it is yeah absolutely absolutely what do you think your biggest challenge would you say um since setting up your business compared to maybe what you thought it'd be like it's i think it's getting your head around all the things that come with owning a business um there are so many different hats that you have to wear as a business owner you know you suddenly not only are you a solicitor and you have to be an expert and a shit hot expert at what you do to be able to sell your services but you've also got to suddenly understand marketing, understand websites, understand finance, um, understand time management, like how do you manage yourself? How, you know, all those things, that's I think been the greatest challenge, especially if you don't come from a business background, yep. you don't have friends or family who have set up their own businesses. You know, all my friends and family are pretty much in, you know, your nine to five employment role. So it's very, very difficult if you're not surrounded with people or you haven't watched people go through that to then try and navigate it yourself. That's incredibly difficult. And it is, you know, the steepest learning curve you could ever put yourself on yeah. and go through because, you know, it's, it's like you say, oh, there's no right or wrong answers. Like there are, and I think it can be quite costly. And I think actually having quite a limited budget, like I set my business up on such completely agree completely like agree. i saved so i saved so i started my business with thirteen thousand pounds worth of my own savings and a ten thousand pound business loan and that is pennies for starting a law firm well, what's really good about that is it's your own money yes so you have had to be exceptionally careful with how you spend that and be clever with how you spend it and i think I sometimes sound like I'm really against investment. I'm not, but I think the one of the criticisms that I do level fairly at investment is people then get a chunk of money to to experiment, which I'm not against, but waste as well. If it's not your own money, you're going to be much freer with it, and you're going to spend stuff. You're going to spend money on stupid shit. 
Well, I read I read this quote and he said, um, it's much easier to spend a pound than to make a pound. Yeah. And I read that whilst I was setting the business up and I thought, I need to remember this. I, yeah, yeah. I need to print it on a coaster or something or just to remind myself. But actually so it true. has stuck in my head yeah. and it is incredible. Yeah, because if you true. think how hard you earn to get that, say, a £1,000 versus, oh, I'll just spend that on some marketing whim of getting my face on a billboard. And that's where it comes down to then you have to find a way of making your business work with the limited yeah. resources that you've got. And another quote is that um, when you don't have a lot of resources, you have to be resourceful. Yeah. And that's incredibly true. And that's something that I try and remind myself of where right, I need to update my website. And, you know, I was getting quotes of thousands of pounds. Crazy money. what it is, whether people just see law firm and see pound signs. and think I think they see startup got, and see pound signs. Yes, possibly. And a law firm startup. And then they quote you a ridiculous amount. And I'm just like, I got really fed up of all these quotes for all these website updates that I wanted to do. And I actually, I actually um, learned how to... Um, do my own WordPress development. Well, so you, but so you should have. I, I did exactly the same because then you know how much it costs in your own time. So then when someone says it's going to cost you X thousand, you're like, well, I can do that in a day. Yeah. So my if I figure out my own day, and you can then start deciding whether it is or isn't worth it. And then when, you know, someone then quotes you a realistic number, you can go, well, actually, it's worth paying them because I can go earn that elsewhere. Yes. And so there's a, there's a whole industry, I think, that prey upon startups and and again, just going back to sort of GoFounder, that's the whole point of that is trying to give people the opportunity to vet that out. So having that community to ask the questions, it's so important, that community you just said, isn't it? Where you can ask the questions because otherwise you probably will get taken advantage of. Yeah, and I think a lot of people do. And I don't know whether that's possibly the downfall of a lot of new businesses where, you know, they're sold this dream by companies whose job is to try and sell this, you know, this idea. And actually it's not going to convert into clients. And I and I see people and I see law firm founders for yeah. spending five hundred pounds on on an article or a blog that they could write themselves for free yeah. in an hour or two. And I just think what's going on? Like at some point somebody sold you this and you thought, oh this is a great idea, but actually it's try it's it's finding your way, sifting your way through all that noise to and uh, to, to concentrate on your end goal and that's to find clients and there are far cheaper, far easier ways than spending tens of thousands of pounds on something that might or might not work. That's Eleanor Manukian, founder of The Injury Solicitor. It's funny how our perception of what's ahead is so often very different to what's actually entailed. But in the case of starting a business, maybe that's not always a bad thing. If people really knew how hard it was to start their first business, how many might not ever make that first jump? I don't know about you, but I find it so refreshing to hear people talk about the truth behind entrepreneurship. And it's something we should all do more of. So is there something in your journey you've been hiding? Or perhaps you're just thinking of starting out yourself. What truths might you be able to shine a light on to work in your advantage whilst you're starting out? Thanks so much for listening to this episode. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also find out more about how we're helping businesses get started without the bullshit over at gofounder.com. A special thanks to Eleanor and, of course, to you for listening to Business Knobs from GoFounder.